Hello, I'm John Eldridge, and welcome to the Ransomed Heart audio podcast. For more information on Ransomed Heart Ministries, our resources, and events, please visit us online at www.ransomedheart.com. Craig, as we were talking about leadership, I was thinking about it again this morning, praying about it. The scene from Chariots of Fire came to mind. I don't know if some of our listeners remember the old classic Eric Little story retold in the movie Chariots of Fire about the Olympic runner, right? And dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Dun, 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 kind, dun, dun. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. <laughs> <clears throat> Craig doing Vangelis. Vangelis? Vangelis. Oh, okay. I yeah. just remember the... Really big in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there's a conversation that Eric is having with his father, who's this old Scottish saint, a beautiful, humble, but kind of a crusty guy. And the phrase that just jumped out to me this morning, he says, Eric, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. The kingdom of God is not a democracy. And then I just begin to think, right, how has God structured his kingdom? How does the kingdom operate? What are some of the ruling kind of principles of life in the kingdom? And kind of funny where my thoughts went, thinking about how the kingdom operates. I next went to Daniel chapter 10 and the famous story of Daniel fasting, praying, seeking for an interpretation of a vision that he had. He's, mm-hmm. you know, he's a Jewish exile. He's now serving in the courts in, in Babylon. And the angel comes and the angel explains to him he'd have been there three weeks sooner that God actually answered Daniel's prayer the very same day he prayed it. But he's been battling the prince of the Persian kingdom in order to get to Daniel And he explains that he couldn't break through enemy lines to reach Daniel. He had to go get Michael. And Michael, the archangel, is described there as the chief prince. In other words, even the angels have hierarchy. They have leadership and they appeal to leadership. They operate under it. They need it, respect it, honor it. It was just another picture of all right, the kingdom of God is not a democracy. This, you know, this isn't kind of, you know, spiritual communism where, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, hey, we're all equals. Uh, everybody divide up the responsibilities. God's kingdom operates within a, a perspective, mm-hmm. within a, a worldview, right? And then the third thought that came to me in this was how Paul goes around establishing churches in Asia Minor And Scripture says, appointing leaders in every church. I guess I just wanted to start today's conversation by painting a picture of the kingdom of God operates within a deep love for, honor, appreciation of, just an assumption of leadership, Mm -hmm. right, as contrasted by the end of the book of Judges, Mm -hmm. right? The sad situation at Israel by the end of the book of Judges, um, here's the last line Hmm. in Judges chapter 21. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as he saw fit. Hmm. Period. 
you know, end of book, end of an era, you know, and it's said with tragedy. I mean, it's spoken with sorrow, remorse, lament. Look at how far Israel has fallen, Mm -hmm. right? That they had no king and everyone did as he saw fit. Just contrasting how the kingdom operates as a kingdom with kings, (laughs) princes, lords, you know, queens, Mm -hmm. apostles, leaders, Mm -hmm. fathers, right? That's how God's realm operates. And so there's just always this contrast between the way things work in the kingdom, which can be very contrary to the way things work outside of the kingdom. I mean, it's things like... You lose your life, you find it. It's counterintuitive often. And on your point, John, there are kings, rulers, fathers, but those are kings, rulers, and fathers that are somehow appointed or empowered by God versus just uh, raised up on their own. Yeah, yeah. I think that the church... I think in many ways, because of postmodernism, because of numerous bad experiences with leadership, I think we're in a place now where, frankly, a lot of our people are in the place where they have no king. Mm -hmm. And everyone's just kind of doing as they see fit. And what I sense from God is this ache for his people to come back to a kingdom model of living and operating, and thus this series on leadership. I mean, we want to explore that. We want to talk about what good leadership looks like, you know, how good leadership operates, what good following looks like. But I think just deeper and behind that is to recover for ourselves a picture, a vision, an understanding, a worldview that says, oh, yes, the angels operate. Yeah with leadership and hierarchy and positions and appointments and ranks and, you know, battalions and commanders. And the kingdom operates like that. When the church was being created, it was created also to operate like that. And that's been really fouled, as we described in an earlier Mm -hmm. podcast, like fatherhood has been fouled, Mm -hmm. where there's just this knee-jerk reaction against it, this push away. And I just hear this ache hear this ache in the heart of God that we recover a kingdom vision, mm-hmm. that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, this angel is trying to get to Daniel. He can't get to him. He's got someone he can appeal to. He's got a leader that he can go to and say, I need your help. Can you help me break this through? He goes and he gets a higher ranking angel. He goes and he gets his captain, right? And then the two of them are able to break through. Just the beauty of that, like the goodness of it, mm-hmm. um, would be so great to recapture in our hearts. Yeah. So how would you translate they did what was right you know, in their own eyes to how you see things playing out now? We live in a culture or time where there's a vacuum for leadership or there's a fierce defiance or independence from leadership. How do you see that playing out? Can you translate that into today's time and culture, what's that look like? Leadership is optional. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what it looks like. It just, I know, we pick and choose. I like this guy's uh, sermons, so I I stream him 
sometimes. But I like this fellowship over here, so I go there for fellowship. Or I don't like church at all, so I don't go anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's this buffet approach. And while I understand that, I'm not ripping. What I'm saying is the people of God are like a flock that's scattered. Mm-hmm. It looks fragmented. And Craig, I think part of what's in the way of us kind of capturing a vision, a kingdom vision for how how life in the kingdom was meant to operate, I just think we're super foggy on yes, on leadership. And, and tell me about your experience yesterday. Yeah. You were starting to describe asking people. Yeah, I'm prepped for this. I, I thought, you know, I was looking at this stack of leadership books, John, and there was just absolutely nothing in me that wanted to look through leadership books for the definition of leader. So I talked to a couple of our team members, staff team here at Ransom Tart, and I just went in and said, describe a good leader. In the conversations I had, I was surprised at how hard it was for us to succinctly describe or define what a good leader is. You know, there were lots of words and lots of descriptors, but it was very hard to get it down to just a sentence or two. And you know, there's this tension that came up in the conversations of, is a leader someone who has a clear and passionate task and mission and successfully accomplishes that mission? Mm-hmm. Or is it a leader who is esteemed and honored by the followers as a good and benevolent person who's protecting and caring for them? Or is it both? Um, You know, someone who's good with people but has a clear mission and is getting things done. And then we started talking about biblical leaders and, and then leaders we know in life. And some leaders seem to be viewed as good by God's perspective, but a failure by man's. And we're just grappling with how do you get your hands around Mm -hmm. describing Mm -hmm. or defining a good leader? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why do you think the fog is there? I mean, what is the fog naming? Because that's just, I find that fascinating in itself is that here are a group of people that are pretty sharp folks, Mm -hmm. frankly, and Mm -hmm. walking with God and, Mm -hmm. you know, get life in the kingdom and understand, you know, kind of mm-hmm. what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And yet there's, oh, yeah, leader, hmm, kind mm-hmm. of foggy. That's fascinating. Yeah, I'd love your reaction to this. But my first thought is that we're so ingrained to think of a leader as kind of a successful, achieving, get-it-done person. But then our hearts and so much of us say that it's something other Mm. than that. It may Mm. include that, Mm. but we've all been Mm. under those guys and felt used or run over and, you know, kind of left behind in their achieving of their goals and their success and so on and so forth. Bingo. You're helping me now. Okay. So once again, we have the collision of the kingdom and the world. And I think that the world and its teaching, its model, you know, leadership training and leadership Mm -hmm. schools and you too can be a leader and all those leadership books and all that stuff sells really well, by the way, you know, in the book world. You know, you too can be a leader and the seven principles of a great leader and that kind of thing. I think part of the fog has been caused by that Mm -hmm. because in a kingdom model, do you know the single quality now that strikes me? What's a leader? 
the What's person that? God has chosen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Right? I mean, sometimes it's knuckleheads. I mean, you get guys like Peter, yes. you know, or Simon the Zelates, you know, the political revolutionary. I mean, the guys that he picks to be the disciples, the apostles, the leadership of the mm-hmm. first wave of the church, they're absolute knuckleheads. They're a mess. Uh-huh. They are a mess. It's chaos within their own ranks. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of going, really, Jesus? I mean, you couldn't find, you know, the university-educated Sadducee, Pharisee, who you could change their heart, you know, but like Paul, they'd have all of the biblical background and training. And he's like, no, mm-hmm. no, uh, no, that's that's not who I pick. Yeah. And so I just... I just want to kind of leap up and run around the room and go, gang, kingdom principle number one on leadership. What's a leader? The person God taps. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. You know, because there is this idea of just because you want to be a leader doesn't mean you are one. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think many of the abuses that you and I and we could tell some stories. Oh, boy, could we tell some stories. And our listeners, you know, have experienced abuses in leadership. I think it's often because these are self-appointed right. leaders. Yes. Hey, I've got the MBA. You don't. Right. You know, I think part of the problem, Craig, is, I mean, now like little points of light are beginning to sort of come out here. And one of them is, I'll bet, I'll bet you that the majority, not all, the majority of the stories of abuse that our listeners could tell under leadership is because those were self-appointed mm-hmm. leaders, mm-hmm. right? People who just seize the reins. I want to be in charge. Right. I'm taking charge, right? I've been in elder meetings like that, right. you know, where the humble saint is mowed over by the guy who's the PhD or the president of his own company, and he's throwing around his worldly credentials. Yes. Right? To assert a kingdom authority. Yeah. And you just want to go, you know what? So what that you're president of a company? You're not anointed. Right. Not in here you're not. Right? There's that that self assertion versus Peter, I know you're a fisherman, I know you have less than a high school education, but I'm actually gonna make you the leader of the church. Yeah. You know? And it's just a beautiful, disruptive playful brilliance of God. Mm -hmm. You know, what's a leader in the kingdom? Mm, The person God taps, Mm -hmm. the person he anoints, the person he chooses. Mm -hmm. And I was reading in Jeremiah 3.15, and you can hear God's yearning in this. He's talking to Israel, who's in a really bad place by that point in their history. And Man, there's just spiritual chaos and idol worship and, I mean, they're sacrificing their children on altars and the leadership of Israel are all self-promoting people who are in it for the money and and for their own gratification. And and then finally in, in chapter 3, verse 15, God says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart yes. who will lead you with knowledge and understanding like God says, I want to give you good leaders. That's what you need here in your spiritual chaos, in your relational chaos, in the yes. you know breakups of your homes and families and communities and all that, right? The social breakdown they're in. God wants 
to provide good leaders. And the difference is they're not self-appointed. Yeah. John, I think that's huge, that self-assertion thing. I mean, what among most men or most people isn't kind of the um, unspoken expectation and goal is that, uh, boy, if you really if you really got it, you're going to be a leader. And everyone aspires to be a leader of some kind in mm-hmm. some field, mm-hmm. some area. Mm-hmm. It's like the top of the ladder that everyone's, you know, striving for. And, you know, versus who made you leader? Who's behind you being a leader? Are you called and anointed? One of our staff people, they said, uh, they said something interesting. They said, uh, for them, good leadership was uh, that they trusted the person. And they made the distinction between agreeing with the person and trusting. You may not be in perfect harmony with the leader, but you trust their heart and you know where they're going and you want to be a part of that. Mm. You follow. Mm. It's not just task-oriented. Or skill. Yes. Or training. Yes. Or degree. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, title, white coat, big office, whatever. It's not those trappings of the world. Right. Right. This is going to help our listeners a lot because I bet if you think back, gang, to some of your bad experiences with leadership or maybe trying to be a leader and, and it didn't go well, you know, to begin to separate the idea of, well, was God in it? Mm-hmm. Was that man or woman, were they chosen by God? Were they the anointed Mm -hmm. leader of that mission, effort, church, project, you know, whatever? I think it's going to help evaluate a lot to go, oh, that's why it was so bad. My problem is not with leadership. My problem is with unanointed leaders, leaders who were not chosen by God but chosen by, you know, the trustee board because they were wealthy or chosen because they had the, you know, political background or, you know, all these other things. Right. I'm thinking of Samuel looking for a a next king. And so he's looking at Jesse's sons and kind of goes through the ranks and, you know, he's got some pretty good sons. And Samuel asks, do you have another? And Jesse says, well, yeah, you know, I got this ruddy runt that's out tending sheep. I didn't even bring him in for consideration of being God's anointed, God's leader, God's king. You know, he wasn't even under consideration. He ends up being King David. And the whole point of that is is man looks on the outward, God looks on the inward. So there's something unseen, internal, that's uniquely involves God, God choosing and calling, blessing and anointing someone that gets missed in the rush to be a leader or find leaders. And we need those people, Mm -hmm. by the way. And they're out there. I mean, I think that there's just this ache right now for, I think there's a shift. I think we're shifting away from a model where denominations were everything mm-hmm. or church affiliation mm-hmm. was everything, even to the point of, you know, hatred and animosity among Christians. You know, well, I'm Presbyterian. Well, I'm Baptist. Well, I go to First Baptist. Well, I go to Second Baptist. And, you know, I think that some of that petty, and I won't call that a kingdom model, more of a fiefdom model, mm-hmm. you know, more of these little realms that we create, I think that's actually breaking down. Mm. 
But in the vacuum, what we ache for are spiritual fathers Mm -hmm. and mothers that we can rally under and look to for guidance and wisdom and counsel and direction and and can bring coherence to a lot of fragmented lives out there mm-hmm. that are just wandering around right now, you know, kind of doing buffet spirituality, mm-hmm. but desperately needing leaders, mm-hmm. God-appointed leaders, mm-hmm. fathers in this. And so Jeremiah 3.15, I want to give you shepherds yes. after my own heart, yeah. right? In the selection of David, your example, I was reading on David's life this morning as well. And in 2 Samuel 5, 12, it's really interesting. It says, David recognized that God had raised him up as king over Israel. And the phrase is, for the sake of his people. Mm -hmm. Like whatever else qualified David for it that God saw in the heart, not in his appearance or in his family rank. You know, he wasn't the firstborn. He wasn't the best looking. He wasn't the tallest, strongest, you know. Oh, it's just tragic. It's just tragic. A friend of mine was asking uh, his buddy who leads worship in a really major church, um, major, major famous church. He was asking his buddy, what does it take to become a worship leader in the church today? And without hesitation and with some sorrow, his friend said, sex appeal. Huh. You got to be young. You got to be hip. You got to look great. You know, you've got stage presence versus well, anointed. Yeah. And frankly, there's a ton of worship out there, by the way, that isn't anointed. There's just songs about God. Yeah. It's just music. Yeah. But it's not actually anointed worship. It doesn't lead you into the presence of God. Yeah. That would be another example of this, right? Yeah. Kind of raising up, oh, well, we know who we want as worship leader. This person has a phenomenal voice. They're absolutely charismatic on stage. The crowd loves them. They, Man, do they bring energy to Sunday morning. And you go, well, but are they anointed? Yes. Do they know God? Do they hear from God? Are they bringing into their experience actual reality of God that they're ushering other people into? Are they just good on stage? Yes. You know, and again, pastors, teachers, why well, he's such a great teacher. He's such a powerful Bible expositor. You go, is he anointed? Did God even pick him for this position? How did he get this role? And the the yearning, and then David's described as, oh, I know why you made me king. You made me king for the sake of your people. Hmm. This actually isn't about me at all. Mm -hmm. You know, just think what's happened out there. Even among those who might be anointed and may actually be called, I think what's happened is we've just got this so many experiences of unvalidated men and women looking to leadership. I want to be the leader. I got to be the leader. I got to be up front, you know, to get affirmation, mm-hmm. to get validation, right? And then flows all the abuses of power and their petty insecurities and, you know, becomes their show and follower get out of the way kind of yeah. an attitude. And yeah. John, so you're painting a picture of a leader as being a father, almost, a mother, a shepherd. Mm -hmm. I mean, what you're highlighting in that is someone who knows God and is expressing deep and profound care over and for 
his family, his followers. His flock, her flock. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That they have the heart of God for their people, Mm -hmm. right? That they're in line with the purposes, intentions, plans of God for their people as the first and primary. And I'm not dismissing the, you know, the place for experience or the place for training, but I'm just saying the collision of the world and the kingdom here is, man, we have taken, we've made training and sex appeal and stage presence and brilliance and success, yes. right, quote unquote, the indications of a leader versus the way God picks people in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And it's the chosen, it's the anointed, it's those who, after my own heart, right? And how beautiful that would be, yes. how beautiful that would be to come back to that model, to look for those men and women, right? And give them the position, right? Because then God's blessing is going to be on Well, we're clearly just getting rolling on this, but I think we're finally beginning to unearth some of the key things that God wants to bring to us. And so thanks for listening in on the Ransomed Heart Podcast. This is John Eldridge, Craig McConnell, and a series on leadership. And we're going to pick this up next time.